Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a blessing already to be worshiping with you this morning. What we've been doing over the last couple of weeks and in the Mother's Day is we're doing something a little different during the message. If you're a guest, often what we do is we pick a Bible, uh, pick a book in the Bible rather, and just, just work through a book. Uh, and, and in praying about what to do over the next couple of weeks, in my own devotion time, I've been working through Psalm 25, and I came across this verse that says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And that, that has really caused me to wonder, well, what does that mean to fear the Lord or fear God? And so what we're doing over the next couple of weeks is just pausing and, and doing a study on this essential topic of the fear of God. If the fear of God were a tool in your toolbox, it'd be the tape measure or a hammer. I mean, it would be something that you absolutely have to have in your toolbox. And so what we're going to be doing this morning and the next couple of Sundays is not just honing in on like one passage of Scripture, but, but using an assortment of different verses throughout the Scriptures. So if you like to follow along with an outline... In your bulletin, there is one there, and, and those scriptures will be listed for you, and it would be a great way for you just to kind of follow along with where I'm going today. Would you pray with me, please? It's already been a magnificent morning to, to, on, our, on my way in this morning to see the green grass that is just turning, it seems like, every day, becoming more and more lush and growing, our Father. We're thankful for the change of season. It won't be long and there'll be a warm, the warmth of the sun coming down on our shoulders and on our face. And we thank you for an auditorium where people are eager to be here today, to be able to sing to you. We're grateful for the, the music that was played unto you and that we were able to share in it and singing it back to you. And now, Father, what a, what a great opportunity we have today to have the, the Bible opened up to us. And to be able to hear about this very practical truth, this fear of God, help us now to be able to have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. It was the summer of 1997. I had graduated college in the spring. I'd worked a few different months with a summer job, and this idea just popped into my mind. Road trip. And I was just a month or two before getting a real job and settling into the real world of a nine-to-five responsibility. So what I did is, on a whim, decided to take the money that I had saved the first few couple of months of the summer, buy some cheap camping equipment, and load up my trusty old Nissan Sentra and point it west to California. And in doing so, I wanted to see as much of the beauty that the country offers as I could. So I made my way on Highway 90 at west and made my way through South Dakota to the Mount Rushmore, to the Badlands, and and, and got to see what South Dakota had to offer. I continued westward to Devil's Tower there in Wyoming, and then went sharp south towards Colorado, where I wanted to see the Rocky Mountains for, my, for myself with my own eyes. 
And I remember the evening, my first evening, as I was driving into the Rockies towards Rocky Mountain National Park. The sun is set, darkness was on me, and I needed to find a place to sleep for the night. Now, back in 1997, uh, you really couldn't get a GPS. Instead, what you used was something called Rand McNally. (laughs) It's an atlas. And it was a page turner, and every page had a, a different state. And, and I had my, my Rand McNally map opened up to Colorado, and I was looking specifically for the color green, because what that meant was that that was a national forest. And what that meant was free, and that I could camp on a national forest for free. And so as I made my way around the river, on my way up to the mountains, as it was dark, my headlights were able to peer at what looked like an access road that was dirt and gravel, and I decided to go for it. It was already around 10 o'clock, approaching 10.30. And so I, I made my way off this access road, and, and I didn't know what it was. It could have been for the high lines that, that people would get to uh, removing some of the branches from the high lines. But as I was driving down this dirt road, every once in a while I'd hit a pothole, and my headlights would bounce up into the mountains. And as that would take place, I would see these glowing eyes as if they were peering down at me as I was driving. Finally, I saw a clearing, and I unloaded my car, set up my tent, and said, this is going to have to do for the night. I don't remember ever really seeing the mountains, and at that moment, they were very scary for me. They were imposing I didn't know exactly what wildlife was up there in the mountains. But out of necessity, I set my tent up and I spent the evening sleeping just there. The next morning, the sun came up. And as I unzipped my tent, I will tell you that the mountains looked very different than they did the night before. They were very beautiful, very inviting, awestruck come over me as I gazed at the mountains that morning. Now, what's interesting, isn't it? Nothing had changed with the mountains. They were always there. But what had changed was perspective. At one time, they were very scary and very intimidating, but now they were very alluring and very inviting. Well, if you were with us last week, we introduced this topic of the fear of God. And what we said about the fear of God was that the fear of God is is having an accurate view of God and an accurate view of ourselves. I want to quote to you a hymn that you're very likely familiar with. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. When we think about the words in Amazing Grace, one of the things that grace does is it actually teaches us to fear God. Now, if you are with us last week, I introduced this diagram from a counselor author named Ed Welch. And, And he said that when you think of the fear of God, you ought to see it on a continuum. On the left-hand side of this continuum, the fear of God, 
is one that is born into this world, like all of us, into our sin. As a result, we are born under the judgment of God. He is holy, and we are not. And all of us will stand before His holy justice. And so last week, what we did is we said, let's have a message entirely on the left side of this continuum. That we ought to be afraid of a holy God. That one day we will stand before Him in judgment. And so we spoke about that wrath, and we spoke about that eternal hell. But at the end of that message, I hope you were here to hear that, is that that is not God's design for you. God loved you so much that he sent Christ. And we, we kind of close that message by a metaphor of, of this great storm that comes across a, a hiker on a mountain and how that hiker tucks himself into a cave to avoid the wrath of that storm. And we said that Jesus, well, he is our refuge. He is the one who saves us from the wrath of God. And you need to place your faith in what Christ has done for you. Receive the grace and turn from your ways. And if you do, then your perspective on the fear of God changes. It is not something that you need to fear, but listen to this. It's something that you actually will take delight in. In the same way that the mountain changed perspective based on the night and the morning, your perspective of the fear of God will change based on whether you've received the grace of God and are a Christian or whether you're still in your sins. Let me read to you a verse from 1 John 4, 18. Many in this room will be familiar with it. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. Now, wait a minute. That seems to be a contradiction. On one hand, we're, we're, we're told that we are to fear God, but here we're being told that we're not to have a fear in love. So how can both of those be true? Let me read to you the last, last part of that verse. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Here's the point. If Jesus has received the punishment for your sins, then you no longer need to walk in fear of God's judgment. Rather, you can walk in the love that He has provided for us. What we'd like to do this morning, having spent last Sunday on the left side of that continuum and saying, why is it a a lost person should be afraid of God, well, if you are a Christian, then you are on the right side of that continuum of the fear of the Lord. And what I would like to do this morning is just to spend a message to ask this question, what does it look like for a Christian to fear the Lord? And to do so, allow me to share an illustration that is not um, original to me, It's by an author named Jerry Bridges who wrote a great book called The Joy of the Fear of the Lord. And in it, he spoke about an 18-year-old high school graduate who joined the Marines. Uh, Sorry, Sean, we're going to have to go with Marines this morning (laughs) and not the Navy. Let me just read this to you because I think it, 
it illustrates what I'm going to try to convey. The story began when Butch McGregor was only 18 and stood trembling as the drill instructor screamed in his face. Butch hadn't done anything seriously wrong. He had just somehow managed to get out of step with the rest of his platoon as they marched across the drill field. But the slightest infraction, the most insignificant mistake, could cost Butch 50 push-ups or 10 laps around the drill field in in, in full combat gear. Butch leaned very quickly. He learned very quickly who was in command, the drill instructor. At boot camp, drill instructors took on an aura of being just less than God. His every word is law, and the slightest mistake or infraction is caught and punished. Very quickly, the new recruit learns to stand in awe of this man who wields such authority and power over him. However, Butch soon learned there was someone even the drill instructors were in awe of. Near the end of his basic training, something completely out of the ordinary happened, something that didn't normally occur during basic training. The commanding general decided to conduct an inspection of all recruit platoons. A sort of disciplined pandemonium broke out among the drill instructors as standards were pushed to an even higher level. So when General Collins entered the barracks, Butch stood stiffly at attention, gripped with fear. Following basic training... Butch was assigned to a divisional motor pool and was eventually selected to be the general's driver. Butch had mixed emotions about this new assignment. Fear and awe once gripped him as he reported for the duty on his first day. In the course of time, war broke out and Butch's division was shipped overseas. As the general's driver... Butch was never involved in actual combat, though they often traveled in dangerous territory. Then one day, the car struck a landmine, and General Collins was thrown out clear out of the car and was seriously hurt when his body slammed to the ground. Butch, meanwhile, remained trapped in the front seat of the burning vehicle. And despite the general's own injuries and the risk of his life, he managed to pull Butch out of the car to safety. Both men were quickly evacuated to the field hospital. General Collins stood, soon recovered sufficiently to resume his duties. But Butch remained in the hospital for weeks. Despite the pressures of a commanding division in battle, the general often stopped to see Butch and check on his progress. Butch was surprised at the general's obvious concern, but what really astounded him was the realization that at the scene of the accident, the general had literally risked his life to save him. And when, as he lay in bed over the weeks, Butch frequently recalled with amazement the general's continued visits 
and made him realize that a rescue was not simply a spur-of-the-moment heroic act, but was prompted by the general's heartfelt concern for him. Butch often pondered the question, why would a two-star general in command of a Marine division in battle risk his own life to save a mere sergeant? He could readily understand one enlisted Marine risking his life for his buddy on the battlefield, but a general for a sergeant? How could this be? He slowly came to the conclusion that Despite their vast difference in rank, the general genuinely loved him. Now, in addition to a sense of awe, respect, and admiration, Butch began to experience love and gratitude towards the general. He longed for the day when he could once again be the general's driver. He determined that he would be the best driver any Marine general had ever had. But he also realized that however much he and the general loved each other, they would never be buddies. It would always be a yes, sir, and a no, sir relationship. And that is how General Collins and Sergeant McGregor would want it. So let us consider this morning, what is it that a Christian who fears the Lord What is it that that life looks like? So let me give you a few words here. The first is the word assured, assured. I want to read to you Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. Listen to these words. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children have a refuge. This word confidence here is the word refuge or security. The person that fears the Lord is secure, has a refuge, is confident. It is a daily reminder that God sent His Son to die for you. As a result, God's own are stable because they are assured of God's steadfast love. Insecurity and fear are not to occupy the same space as one who fears the Lord. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied, and he will not be visited by harm. I was in uh, Walgreens earlier this week looking for some drugs. You know what I mean by that. And there's no shortage of supplies or supplements to help one get a good night's sleep. But you know, one of the prescriptions that we see here in Proverbs 19 is that the person who fears the Lord rests satisfied. It's as if they have this settled for them. 
that they are assured of God's love. And they are standing on this grace, this forgiveness that has been provided through Christ. Last week, we were speaking about how the appropriate response to the fear of the Lord for someone who has not been forgiven is to be trembling in terror at what awaits them. And it's okay to have that conviction over you if that drives you to repentance and seeking refuge from the consequences of your sin. But once you have been made right with God through the forgiveness that has been provided for you, then the one who fears the Lord lives an assured, secure life. In his book, When People Are Big and God is Small, Ed Welch says the antidote to the fear of man is a healthy fear of God. And he says this, Here are some of the fears that all of us in this room wrestle with. One of those fears is being exposed. What if the people in this auditorium really knew what I did? What if they really knew the thoughts that were going around in my mind? What if they really knew some of the decisions that I've made and some of the sinful acts that I've committed in private? And there is a fear that we have of being exposed. But when one understands that Christ has taken on all of your sins and that you have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ, you realize that you do not need to be ashamed because you have been covered by the grace of God. I'll tell you another thing that, according to Ed Welch, that we all fear. It's this fear that we have of being rejected. If if people in this room truly knew what I was like, no one would want to be my friend. They would run as fast as they could in the other direction. But when we realize that Jesus was rejected in our place. He was the one who was despised so that we could be accepted and loved. Then we can know what true love is and we don't need to fear that rejection because Jesus has been rejected for us. i tell you another thing that each of us fear. Maybe more so, um, some ladies more so than men, but many fear being physically attacked, assaulted. And that too, Jesus has absorbed on our behalf by being beaten, by being struck, by being forced to carry his own cross. He has done all of this, enduring our pain so that we would not have to endure that physical pain. So here's the benefit of a person that fears the Lord, is they have a strong confidence. Not only this, they are resting satisfied in the forgiveness that has been provided for them. The second thing that we see of a person that is a Christian that fears the Lord is not only are they assured, they are clean. Now by that I don't mean that they take multiple showers throughout the day, 
or that they make sure that their laundry is done and all those things are helpful. But what I mean is this. According to Psalm chapter 19, verse 9, it says this. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. If we go back to our story of the sergeant who has such a love and admiration for the general that when it comes time to getting out of the hospital, he wants to do all that he can to be the best driver the Marines had ever known. Why? Because of the love that he received. He wants to spend the rest of his career demonstrating the same love to the general. The fear of the Lord is clean. A week or two ago, I was telling Melody, I said, honey, I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to do a few messages on the fear of the Lord. And she says, I, as I think back in my life, you know, the fear of the Lord took on a different perspective. At one time, I saw God as one that just wanted to punish me every time I messed up. Maybe like a slave that every time they mess up, the master is waiting to whip them into submission. She says, that's not my understanding of the fear of the Lord at all anymore. I actually relate it back to my, my mother and my father. And how I had such a love and an admiration for them that I would do anything to enjoy a fellowship with them. And there were times that I would intentionally not do something because I knew if I did it, it would disappoint them. Well, that's a good picture of what we're talking about here, of the fear of the Lord. It's not so much of a, of a master that threatens and bullies a slave, and the slave lives in constant intimidation. That's not at all what we're talking about. Rather, it's of a loving daughter or a loving son towards their parents to say, I love you. And I want my life to be clean before you because of the grace that you have given to me. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 14, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The one may turn away from the snares of the death. Do you see what the fear of the Lord does? It leads to life. It leads to love. And as a result, we avoid the traps that are laid out before us. The fear of the Lord will help us to examine our lives and the decisions that we are making. Because we have this enduring love and appreciation for the forgiveness and grace that we have received from our loving Father. And the more you walk with the Lord, the more discerning you are to the traps that are out there. You know, there were times where the allurement of lust was, was very powerful to me. And I don't want to suggest that it isn't at all anymore. But the older you get, and the more you realize how empty that is, the more you realize, now why would I chase after that? 
When I think about so many of the, the leaders that we have observed, whether in ministry or out of ministry, that have forfeited everything because of being unfaithful to their Lord and unfaithful to their spouse. And you watch those press conferences or you watch a pastor stand before a church or worse, one of the, one of the leaders stand up before the church and have to tell the congregation what the leader did and the weight that goes across the church family and the embarrassment that they experienced. I mean, there's a fear that comes up within me to say, why would I ever want to allow that to happen to me? That's a, that's a healthy fear. There can be a fear that comes over us as we consider the consequences of our sins. Consequences of not fulfilling the marital responsibilities that, that we have. A husband just gets lax and gets lazy or, or other things kind of fill in his responsibility to lead and to love. It's just a matter of time before that marriage can go sideways. A couple of weeks ago, I was doing some premarital counseling with my sister and with her future husband, and I said to them, listen, you will either pay now or you will pay later. You, you minds would just do the hard work, Mike, of, of just uh, of leading your wife, of reading the scriptures with her, of, of praying with her, of taking responsibility when things are going wrong in your family. Because if you don't, eventually it's going to catch up with you. And then what can happen there is bitterness and resentment can fill in. And then to get that marriage back on track can be a lot more difficult. And if it's left sliding, well, you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later because alimony and child support is going to get really expensive. So why don't you just pay now? Make the sacrifices that are necessary now. Live the clean life of whatever the Lord is asking you to do. I'll tell you another one in terms of living the clean life is that if we neglect our spiritual disciplines, we will be blind to the traps that are laid before you. So if you are avoiding the Word of God, if you are avoiding a dependence on prayer to God, you will not be living the clean life. Instead, you will be living a contaminated life. The Christian that fears the Lord is one, assured, and two, it's a clean life, and then third, it's a prioritized life. I'm hoping what's happening as we go through this this morning is you're realizing that the fear of the Lord is not something that we need to dread as a Christian, but rather it's something that we can look forward to. Our old friend Nehemiah, who was burdened for his homeland, He was in tears as he thought about his home there in Jerusalem where the the temple had been torn down. And God had put a burden on his heart to be able to go back and lead an effort to be able to rebuild that temple. And he was about ready to, to talk to his boss about getting some time out. This boss was not a believer. And so before he did that, he prayed. And listen to what he prayed in Nehemiah 1 verse 11. He said, Oh Lord, Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants, listen to this, who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today. 
and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. I delight in fearing the Lord. Before I was a Christian, it kept me up at night. I could go to hell if I died in my sin. But now the fear of the Lord over here is something that I delight in. I can, I can be assured of it. I can live a clean life. Well, the, the one that fears the Lord as a Christian is one that prioritizes their time to be with God. Listen to what it says in Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Do you see it? The one who fears the Lord greatly delights in his commandments. Psalm 119, verse 63 says, I am a companion of all who fear you. And what are those people like? Of those who keep your precepts. You see, when we, when we read the Scriptures, and when we keep the Scriptures, that's what it looks like to fear the Lord. The sergeant said, I want to do all I can to please my general. I want to be the best possible driver I can. So I will do all the training that is necessary because I want to prioritize my service to him. Our lives are given over to the word and not our own understanding. Proverbs 3, 7, and 8 says this, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So what is the opposite of being wise in your own eyes? That's right. Fear the Lord. Can I just ask you a personal question? I don't wonder about you, Highland Crest, if you've read your Bible or if you were at a Bible study this morning. Many of you are already in our Bible study at 9 o'clock. I don't wonder about the average person at Highland Crest of whether you'll listen to Christian music sometime today or sometime this week or maybe even listen to a podcast. And I want to affirm all of those things. That's a wonderful way to build your life around the Word of God. But I want to ask you a very specific, pointed question. When was the last time that you were exposed to the Word of God And the Holy Spirit took that word and spoke very specifically to you about something in your life that needed to change. Not just general exposure, but something very, very specific. You see, the person that fears the Lord has moments like that on a regular basis because they're not relying on their own understanding. They're like, God, I need insight every moment. Help me to hear what you want to say. What a privilege it's been this weekend on on our breakfast, our men's breakfast yesterday. As um, Brother Slippy got up and just shared just his life story. And what a benefit it was for us that were there that day as he would read scriptures and just point out some some markers in his life. And in doing so, many of us in that room could could just identify with, well, that's that's where I'm at right now. Well, I needed to hear that today. 
And then our leader, the men's ministry, got up and, and, and kind of cued us in some application. And as I was listening to him, and I was reflecting back on what Ron Slippy had shared, my mind went to something very specific yesterday. You see, one of my boys had a birthday. And um, Saturday is often a very long day for me. I had a, a men's breakfast. I had a deacon meeting. I had another meeting right after that. And then I hadn't even really started my message. And I'd already said to my son, now you know that daddy has a long day on Saturday, right? And we spent some time today on Friday, but you're probably not going to see me tomorrow on your birthday, all right? And when I listened to that story of a testimony of how, how quickly life goes, it was like the Spirit says, you need to spend time with your son today. And I sat around that table with those men and I said, I've got an application. And we're going swimming today, you know. And, and if this message isn't as good as it may, maybe had been because I, needed, I didn't spend as much time with it, well, then that's just the case. But that's a priority for me right now. And so I think we should be able to identify specific applications to what the Lord is speaking to us about His Word. Over the next couple of weeks... We're going to be talking about how this fear of the Lord in a Christian's life spills over into those around us. We're going to be speaking next week about how we can build a stronger fear of the Lord in our life. But the privilege that we have as parents to be able to instill the fear of the Lord into our children. And I think this also ought to do something about our witness. Because as we are looking up to how great and powerful God is, and we realize that the vast majority of people in our community do not fear the Lord at all. That ought to stir within us a concern to say they don't fear the Lord. Lord, what would you have me to do in order to share with them the truth about what is coming for their future if they remain in their sins? So this is not just a, a, something that is self-serving but I think it is missional for us to think about the fear of the Lord. And then finally, what does it look like when a person that is a Christian fears the Lord? Well, they're like Jesus. Hopefully you're anticipating that all the messages here at Highland Crest will eventually find their way back to Jesus and the cross. There's this wonderful prophecy in Isaiah 11 that is also quoted in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's a prophecy that speaks about the, the Messiah that will come. And here are some qualities about that Messiah in Isaiah 11, really 2 and 3. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and... The fear of the Lord and His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. You see, Jesus delighted in fearing the Lord. And if you have the Spirit of Christ within you, there will be something that will be leading you to say, I used to be afraid of the Lord, but not anymore. I am drawn to Him.
He is not my buddy. There is a distinct, a distinct yes, sir, in my life. But I am drawn to this loving Father. There used to be a time where I, I saw him as a, as a master that would whip me at every time of my disobedience. But the more that I've drawn to him, I've realized he's not like that at all. He wants me. He wants a relationship with me. He wants me to delight in him. I ask you the same questions I ask myself. This morning, do you find yourself assured? Are you, are you standing in security today of the forgiveness and grace that has been provided for you? I'm asking you what I ask myself. Is my life characterized by a cleanliness, not so much washing my hands, but a cleanliness in my spiritual life with God? Is there any known sin that has not been dealt with? And then I ask myself, what I ask you now, how much of a priority is there in my life to this fear of the Lord? How much time am I giving over to the Scriptures? Knowing this God, knowing His ways that I can walk in them. Again, next week, we'll look at strategies that we can strengthen our fear of the Lord. Two weeks from today, we will look at the blessings that come with the fear of the Lord. But what I'd like to do today is just kind of close out our our time with this message of saying, why don't we just pray? And if you would say to yourself, I I could use some more of that assurance. I I just want to settle this right now. I've been forgiven, and I want to base my life on that. Is your life clean right now? And is your life properly prioritized around the fear of the Lord? Could we do it this way this morning? Could we just have Karen, would you come and play? Why don't you just play quietly? And I'm not going to force you to get with someone else. But why don't you just think about this message today? What's your level of fear of the Lord? When's the last time you could say, I heard specifically from the Word of God. God spoke to me, and I, I, I acted on that. And if you have a hard time coming up with a specific time where God's spoken to you, why don't you confess that too? Music team, why don't you come?
while we pray together. Father, I thank you for this magnificent truth here. As we think of this fear of the Lord as something that is not something that we need to just walk around on eggshells like you're wanting to strike us down at every moment. But for those who have been forgiven of their sins, this is something we are warming up to. That we see the fear of the Lord as something we can delight in. It's a way that we could just come back to you and inform me, Lord. Speak to me about this. I'm depending on you to enable me. Help me to see the snares that have been set around me. Help me not to walk in these. May the allure of sin and all of its consequences be evident before me. Grant me the courage to avoid those. I'm going to come back now to those in our room this morning that have never really had your sins forgiven. Maybe you're trying a combination of your good works and religious activity and then yeah believing but but really what the Bible says it's trusting entirely on what Jesus has done for you have you received the grace the gift that's been provided if you'd like to do that you could pray something like this Lord I I have sinned I have rebelled against you and your word I understand that I'm I stand under your judgment. But I understand that Jesus has come, died on a cross for me so that I wouldn't have to. And I trust entirely on what he has done for me. Save my soul. Save my life. Save me from the judgment that comes so that I could have a different sort of fear, a different perspective a perspective of a daughter to a dad, a son to a dad that is a loving and an accepting one. In Jesus' name, amen.